Well, this morning, we're going to take a detour away from our series in Matthew's Gospel to talk about a most important, if not most important, crucial topic related to our faith and related to our church, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. It is a topic that I have been studying for more than a year. Um, I hope it comes across today. And so let's pray uh, as we enter God's word together. Father, thank you for our church. Thank you for the family that we have here this morning as we gather together in your name just confident and grateful that you are present, Lord. We, you don't come to meet us. We come to meet you, and we know you are here today. And Lord, as, as we study your word, as I preach your word, would you, by your spirit, illuminate these grand truths to us that we might live lives for your glory, that we might live lives where the gospel speeds ahead, that we might draw near to Christ. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as many of you are aware, I am technically challenged. Computers, phones, printers, and anything to do with Bluetooth are beyond any ability that I have. And the thing is, I don't care. I, any, anytime I have a computer issue or primarily an issue with our, our television, our TV, and our internet connection, our router, uh, I stare at that equipment for a long time thinking my withering stare will make it change. And it, it never works. It, so what I do is I call my son, David, whose college education in, and degree in computer science I paid for, and, and I ask him, what's wrong? And for more than a decade, David has given me the same answer. Unplug it, Dad, and plug it back in. And you would be surprised how often that actually works. It's, it's a simple solution. And, and I'm grateful for it, even though I keep getting the same answer. As we study the Lord's Supper this morning, understanding the meaning and purpose of the Lord's Supper is simple. It, it is not complicated. Its simplicity and its importance are seen throughout Scripture. This, this sacrament is, brothers and sisters, it's rich in meaning and purpose, and its purpose for the church because it's anchored in the truths of the gospel. Richard Phillips, in his, in his booklet on the Lord's Supper, says this. He says, throughout church history, those who came before us saw the theology of the Lord's Supper as inseparable from the theology of the gospel. Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley were burned at the stake for rejecting the unbiblical Roman Catholic view of the Lord's Supper. If asked why they were willing to die for a matter of merely academic interest, they would have rightly replied, what they were dying for was the gospel. In, in, in Luke's gospel, we read when Jesus shares this institution. He, he instills this institution. And we see it in Matthew, we see it in Mark, and we see it in Luke. And I want to read Luke's gospel to you this morning 
And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So I, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, which we, we always share when we are sharing the, the Lord's Supper together, writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As a pastoral team, our desire is for our church to grasp more deeply the rich meaning and significance of the Lord's Supper beyond contemporary Christian approach seen and experienced in many churches, which is to see the Lord's Supper simply as a memorial, a remembrance of Christ. When we see the history of the Lord's Supper, not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament Passover celebration, and we understand the Lord's purpose in giving us this sacrament and our participation in the Lord's Supper, it will be it will be more than a memory. It should be more than a memory. It will be a profound and transforming experience. And this is what Jesus intends, exactly what Jesus intends to happen each time we drink the cup, each time we eat the bread. And so I want to I give you just a brief history of the Lord's Supper coming from the Passover in the Old Testament. When we read the accounts of the, the Last Supper in Matthew and Mark and Luke, we, we see Jesus reclining at table. That is mentioned by all the authors. Jesus was reclining at table with his disciples. This is important because this is going back to Old Testament, ancient Near Eastern customs where when, when there was a supper, the host of the supper would be reclining at table with his friends or as here with Jesus as his disciples around him. As, and here Jesus is hosting the Passover meal that they are sharing. He is the host and in, he is the host of what we now call the Lord's Supper. And Jesus connects this sacrament, this new sacrament, to the Old Testament celebration of Passover because both focus on an atoning death a literal lamb, and Jesus, the Lamb of God. The Passover meal was a memorial to Israel's 
Exodus deliverance, when they came out of Egypt, having been in bondage for more than 400 years. This meal was eaten in Egypt the night when the plague, the plague of death came upon the firstborn of Israel. And they would slaughter a spotless lamb and they would spread the blood on the, on the doorpost and the lintels of the door. And the angel of death would pass over those who had blood shed upon their doorways. And the Passover feast that night was intended as a perpetual memorial to be observed by the covenant community, but only by the covenant community. And each, each generation after this first Passover night, each generation honored the Lord in the Passover meal because they were, they were all, they saw themselves as bound to this salvation experience. In other words, it was more than a memorial for the Israelites. They felt as though they, when generations later, as they shared the Passover meal, they were the ones exiting Egypt. They were the ones leaving bondage. They were the ones who were being freed from slavery. The Lord's Supper was instituted for us in the same way so that every disciple of Christ in every generation from this first night we read about in Luke 22 would remember our deliverance from sin. And the Passover powerfully illuminates what is intended at the Lord's Supper. At the Passover meal, the the Jewish people identified with those who ate that first Passover meal. We are to identify with these first disciples. That, That the Passover meal is more than a memory. Much more than a memory. In 1 Corinthians 1, Paul refers to Jesus as the Passover lamb who was sacrificed for our sins, showing that he understood Jesus' words at the Last Supper to mean Jesus was fulfilling the role of the sacrificial lamb. So with that history in the background, three, three points this morning about the Lord's Supper. And I want you to notice I'm not calling it communion. And I'm not calling it the Eucharist. Now, the Eucharist, the, the, when, when it says in here that Jesus gave thanks, that's where the, the Greek word, and I, I can't pronounce it exactly, um, Eucharisto, I think it is, but it, the Eucharist is to give thanks. Communion is what happens at the Lord's Supper. But the Lord's Supper is what Christ instituted on that Passover night. So three points. The first one is remembrance. We come to the Lord's table in remembrance of all Christ has done. The second one is communion. We come to the Lord's table expecting to commune with Christ and with each other. And the third one is hope. We come to the Lord's table with a future hope in the promises of Christ. So first one, remembrance. We should come to the Lord's table in remembrance of all Christ has done. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26 is what I I read just a bit ago. And I will read it again. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is a gift from Jesus to his church. A gift he instructs us to use often. A gift of his body broken and his blood shed that is to be remembered. But it is also to be more than just a memory. The Greek word anamnesis has a much richer meaning than remembering when it talks. And that is where we get the word remembrance in in our New Testament. It's good to remember. It is good to remember at the Lord's Supper, Christ's saving work. That's what we are to do through his death on the cross. Memory is a good thing, but, but we're also to acknowledge more than just that Jesus died on the cross. We're acknowledging that he's alive. That he, that he rose from the dead and is at present, he's present at the table that he is hosting. He is the one. Brothers and sisters, understand, when, when you come to the Lord's table, he is the one inviting you. He is the host. As he invited his disciples that night, that Passover night, he invites us. He is present. He is hosting. He is alive. It is more than just a memory of his death. We are coming to commune with the Lord. If you remember in Psalm 23, the Lord prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. That's what the Lord has done. He is preparing a table for us. This is, this is crucial to our understanding and our remembrance of the Lord's Supper. To reduce the Lord's Supper to just a memory would be like remembering a shopping list, which I always forget when Marilyn gives me one. It would, it would miss what Jesus wants us to understand about this sacrament. There, there are times in our lives when remembering has a much deeper impact on us. A memory that shapes us as we look back at our marriage, the day we got married, or when we had children, or the day we were born again. Remembering, listen, remembering my conversion at the Lord's Supper, it it shapes me, it influences me, it affirms my union with him, that I belong to him, that I have an inheritance in him, and that he is always with me. When When I participate, when I partake of the Lord's Supper, it shapes me, it is to shape me. 11.24, Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. When we eat the bread and when we take the cup, we share in his suffering and in his death, just like we do at at baptism. In Romans Romans 6, if you remember Romans, Romans 6, Paul writes this, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know 
that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That, that is... that. That sacrament of water baptism is a uniting to Christ. It is being buried with him. It is being raised with him. And as we participate in the Lord's Supper, as we eat the bread and take the cup, we are sharing, participating in his suffering and his death. It is more than just putting a piece of bread in your mouth and drinking a little juice. It is a participation. It is, it really is a genuine, holy moment. But we also share his life. You know, in Deuteronomy 16.3, the Passover meal calls the unleavened bread at the Passover meal the bread of affliction. Because it was referring to the sufferings of Israel, their affliction under under oppression and slavery of the Egyptians. And Jesus is saying that the bread in his body is, is, it refers to the redemption that he is about to accomplish by suffering on the cross. And when we eat the bread, we acknowledge that not only are we remembering him, but that he is present with us in his body. And it's no longer the bread of affliction for us. It's the bread of redemption. It's the bread of salvation that he purchased for us on the cross. And when we drink the cup, which is the new covenant in Christ's blood, we call to mind the gospel, the new covenant that, that God has made with us through Christ and all its benefits that are applied to us through the Holy Spirit. This, this new covenant is the promise that God has made with humanity that he will forgive our sins and he will restore his fellowship with us. When you, you take the cup, you are, you are expressing the new covenant, the, the good news of the gospel that, that God has forgiven sin and that we are no longer separated from God, enemies of God, but we are reconciled to him and he calls us his children. Remember, yes, we are to remember, but so much more than a memory. When we eat and drink with Christ, we're meant to have this, have a powerful experience of receiving his grace each time we come to his table, the table that he is hosting, because there's always grace in the presence of Christ. You remember Hebrews 4.16, we come to his throne of grace to find mercy and grace in time of need. So that is, that is our, our remembrance. We, we do remember, but much more than a memory. Second, we come to commune with the Lord. It is communion that we find at his table. Paul reminds these Corinthian believers what Jesus gave to him to them, his body and his blood. And as he was with the, his disciples at the Last Supper, so he is with us when we come to the table. He is reclining with us. He is hosting us. He is present with us. Jesus is offering himself. He is telling his disciples at this last supper, 
that he is about to offer himself on the cross. He's about to have his body broken and his blood shed. And if you remember what Paul says, he says here, this is my body which is for you. That's what Jesus is saying at the Last Supper. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Jesus offers himself uniquely to have communion with the people, with us, as we are gathered together in this setting. Nowhere, nowhere else but in his gathered church does this, this communion take place. The gathered church is the unique place where Jesus, as the host of the supper, invites his church to fellowship with him and fellowship with one another. We commune with him. We, we believe he is present. What happens when we come to the Lord's table to share his meal? In faith, we meet with Christ because we believe he's present with us in his church. Listen, when you arrive here this morning, when you arrive here on a Sunday, you, you, you don't come and invite Jesus. He's here. He invites you in. He is present when, when you arrive. Present when we sing. Present when we pray. Present in his word read and his word preached. We believe he speaks to us. We believe he extends grace to us. We believe he illuminates truth to us. We believe he sustains us. We believe he transforms us. We believe he fellowships with us. And we believe he is glorified in us when we arrive here on Sunday morning. And when we come to his table, he's present. It's one thing to, to hear this read from 1 Corinthians. It's another to walk up to that table and take the bread and take the cup. You are, you are coming to the, yes, invisible, but present in spirit, present Christ through the Holy Spirit who awaits our communion with him. When we gather at his table, sharing in his body and blood, like the preached words, our expectations when we come to the Lord's table should be the same. When you, when you sit here to hear the preached word, what do you expect? You expect to hear God speak. Speaking through his servant, but you expect to hear God speak. Why? Because you believe he's present. You believe he wants to speak to you. You believe he wants to draw near to you. And when we come to the Lord's table, the host of heaven stands there waiting for us, communing with us, because he's invited us. The bread and the cup are physical expressions of our covenant relationship. It's a relationship that has interaction. It is in Christ, in him that we touch and taste. It is in him we hear in the words and prayers that surround this sacrament. We hear him speak and we receive grace 
when we come to his table. How does grace come to us when we participate in the Lord's Supper? Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When we, when we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we, we feed upon the redemptive benefits and promises that Jesus offers us and has given us through his saving grace. We experience the gospel, brothers and sisters. In the Heidelberg Catechism, the question is asked, why then does Christ call the bread his body and the cup his blood or the new covenant in his blood? And Paul used the words a sharing in Christ's body and blood. The answer is Christ has good reason for these words. He wants to teach us that just as bread and wine nourish the temporal life, so too his crucified body and poured out blood are the true food and drink of our souls for eternal life. He wants to assure us by this visible sign and pledge that we, through the Holy Body and blood, he wants to assure us what a, what a gift assurance is. What a gift when somebody comes to you and, and assures you when you're struggling. We come to the Lord's table sometimes. We are weary. We are troubled. We are struggling with sin. We are tired. We are doubting. We feel guilty. And that's okay. That's fine to come to the Lord's table that way because we come in weakness to draw upon his strength and to draw near to him whose, whose yoke is easy and whose burden is light. We draw near to the shepherd who has compassion on the harassed and helpless sheep. He invites us, Jesus invites us to come and fellowship with him that he might nourish us, that he might strengthen us, that he might forgive us, that he might encourage us all in his grace. But there's something else that happens when we come and commune with our Savior. We not only experience communion with Him, but as Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians 10, we have communion with each other. What, what a gift that is. The beauty of not just communing with Christ, but the communing that we have with one another. Coming to the table together creates community. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Why are we one body? Because we all share the one loaf, Christ. How is it, how is it that this diverse group of people from a variety of generations, ethnicity, social backgrounds comes together to form one church, our church? How, how can a group of individuals, we who are many, as Paul puts it, with different priorities and different personalities and practices share a common life? How is it that our church, with all its differences, functions as a family? Because we share one loaf. We share Christ. We share Christ when we gather around his table. We declare that we belong to him and to one another. Tim Chester, in his book on the Lord's Supper, says this. He says, a table with bread and wine is not the Lord's Supper. It becomes the Lord's Supper only when there are people gathered around the table. The bread and wine take on meaning in the context of the community of faith. This is why we should not take communion on our own, but only when we are gathered together. And so 
We have this communion with Christ and with one another. So, so we, we ha- there's remembrance, there is communion, and finally, there is hope. We see that in, in verse 26 of Paul's treatise on the Lord's Supper. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We share hope and find hope in Christ's promises until he comes. And the, the passage that I think helps us to understand the hope we find when we participate in the Lord's Supper is, is beautifully given to us in 1 Peter 1, where Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's the hope you have. All that Peter mentions there, uh, uh, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, being kept in heaven for you, guarded by God himself. Because you have been born again to a living hope through Jesus Christ and his resurrection. This is the hope we find when we participate in the Lord. We did not have when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. A hope we did not deserve. You know, when we read the gospel accounts of the Lord's Supper and along with Paul's account, there is one sobering word mentioned by all the writers. Betrayed. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus was betrayed. We, now, we might assume that these writers are only speaking about Judas's betrayal, but we would be wrong. We would miss the point here. Because we have all betrayed Christ. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And when we eat the bread and we drink the cup, brothers and sisters, we are reminded of why Jesus gave his body and shed his blood on the cross. Our betrayal sent him there. And yet he still gave his body and shed his blood to save us and unite us to him. He shares this Lord's Supper before the cross, aware of what is going to happen, that he will be betrayed by Judas and by all the disciples and by us. But he still gives his body and sheds his blood. And that is where we find hope because we've been born again to a living hope. So there is, there is remembrance that is more than a memory. There is communion and there is hope. And here is the hope that is promised to us. Revelation 19. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord 
Our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saint. Righteous because Christ, we are in Christ's righteousness. And the angel said to me, write this. And it closed, this verse closes with this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, that's what awaits us in eternity. But until that day, God has given us this, the Lord's Supper, to remind us of what awaits us. Now, who should participate in the Lord's Supper? Baptized believers, those who were genuinely born again and who have been baptized, those are the, who should be participating in the Lord's Supper. And starting today, we will begin partaking of the Lord's Supper each week. Now, I've heard the arguments about, well, doesn't, doesn't receiving the Lord's Supper, participating, just become rote after a while? Well, first of all, it's not, it's not that becomes rote. It's the people walking up to the table. It's what's in their heart, not in the bread and the cup. And do, you, do we find it rote to listen to preaching every week or to sing and praise God? No. Each week we gather together. We believe God is present. And we believe the host of heaven awaits us at the table. So let us now participate in the Lord's Supper. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us this holy sacrament that we might draw near to you receive grace from you, be reminded of all that you have done for us on our behalf, that our lives might be a glory to you. Lord, help us each time we participate in this meal, this special institution that your son gave us. Help us to never take it for granted. Help us, Lord, we pray.